electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed... I lost 45 pounds in six weeks. The money is given to you by the government. You never have to pay it back. There are natural cures for virtually every disease out there. Fat, bald, broke... Kevin Trudeau will make you rich, thin, beautiful. This book is a $29 value. I'm going to throw this one in absolutely free. Trudeau sells cures for whatever ails you, and he takes in hundreds of millions of dollars. But when the U.S. government accuses Kevin Trudeau of selling lies... He's a serial scammer, and that one scam tends to lead to the next. He dares the feds to shut him down. You want to put me in jail? Let's go to court, baby. And later... Need money? Remington Financial Group's Andrew Bogdanov can set anyone up with a loan for a price. Whether you need a million dollars, three million dollars, nine hundred and ninety-nine million dollars, it didn't matter. It's making him millions, but most clients get nothing. There was no way that once you got ensnared in the Remington net, you were going to get out. If you're watching right now, this is the book. This is not a diet. This is a cure. There are, in fact, natural, non-drug, and non-surgical ways to prevent and cure virtually every disease. Kevin Trudeau. For two decades, he's a charismatic salesman hawking self-help products to millions across the country. It's just this huge cult mentality. I mean, you became like a zombie. Like, just focus on what Kevin had to say. And that's, that's how I got sucked into it. 29-year-old Kansas City native Abe Hussein wants the life Trudeau's selling. To get it, he's bought the products and cheered in the audience, opening his wallet again and again. Kevin was a master manipulator. He knew just what to say at the right time to get people to believe him and to keep paying him money. Hussein says he fell hard for Trudeau's endless pitches, and it cost him big time. $30,000. I fell for lies and scams. These huge promises of like becoming an instant millionaire, they just weren't true. But Trudeau has plenty of true believers. Ed Foreman is a motivational speaker and former U.S. congressman from Dallas, Texas. Foreman's known Trudeau since he was a 19-year-old, working for a Boston car dealership. He was an enthusiastic standout. He paid attention. He was alert. And uh, I could tell that boy's going a long ways. But even he admits that Trudeau's personality was bound to get him in trouble eventually. He had it. He had the drive and the inspiration to help people to believe in themselves. And that kind of a person will end up as a great leader or probably imprisoned. In the 80s, Trudeau begins attending self-help seminars where he must be taking some pretty interesting notes. He soon ditches the car dealership with a quirky scheme to make fast cash, says U.S. Postal Inspector Sylvia Carrier. 
He was claiming to be Reverend Powers, and he would put ads in a newspaper claiming that for $10, he would grant your wishes. We got many, many complaints on this. But selling wishes for 10 bucks is just part of the plan. Now, there are two parts of your memory that we're going to be concerned with. He also rebrands himself as the world's foremost authority on memory improvement and releases a series of audio tapes called Mega Memory. It's not just memory training when you invest your time and money. Trudeau's no memory expert. He's recycling information he's found elsewhere. This loose relationship with the truth leads to serious trouble in the 90s, as even he will later admit to Matt Lauer on The Today Show. You're not a doctor, you're not a scientist, no. you're not a researcher. In fact, you're someone who spent a little time in prison for credit card fraud. Correct. Yeah. So they're saying, Two years, to be exact. Trudeau tells his followers it's all a misunderstanding. I transposed the last two numbers on my social security number, and voila, I got my credit card. In reality, the social security number Trudeau uses belongs to his mother. Federal Trade Commission attorney James Calm says this flimflam is just a taste of what's to come. He's a serial scammer, um, and that one scam tends to lead to the next. That kind of zigging and zagging is emblematic of kind of hardcore fraudsters. After prison, Trudeau relocates to Chicago and begins selling almost anything he can on late night television. Marketing director Peter Wink will work with Trudeau for two years. He was very hypnotic. He knew how to rile the crowd up. And I'll tell you what, it works. And he proved it. But Trudeau's best trick is how he keeps his customers coming back for more. There's always an offer in there, or there's always some subtle message he's giving you for something that's coming down the road. This is a $20 value. The products might be inexpensive, but Trudeau is smooth-talking his way to an estimated $121 million. Money was his drug. Everything he does is about money. And I'm not saying that necessarily is a good or bad thing, but I think that's his prime motivator, money. Trudeau may connect easily with his fans, but his relationship with the government is something else entirely. I've been sued, I've been investigated, I've been repeatedly harassed, virtually non-stop since 1989. In 1998, he's fined $500,000 by the Federal Trade Commission for claiming he can create photographic memories and cure baldness. But serious trouble starts in 2003 after Trudeau hawks a miracle mineral called coral calcium and implies that it can cure cancer. The FTC says no way and takes Trudeau to court. In 2004, he signed an FTC agreement promising to clean up his act once and for all. The deal effectively bans Trudeau from the airwaves. But the estimated $20 million he's pocketed selling coral calcium pills probably takes some of the sting out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click or just stop by. Granger 
For the ones who get it done. Kevin Trudeau is living his life in front of the cameras. But that public profile makes him an attractive target for his enemies, says friend Ed Foreman. Whether it's the FTC or whether it's someone else, they're always looking for someone to nail. That's their business. And Trudeau's been nailed repeatedly by the Federal Trade Commission, most recently signing a 2004 consent order which forbids him from making more infomercials. But the order has a huge loophole, says FTC lawyer James Cobb. The 2004 order forbid him from doing infomercials, except for it carved out a piece for selling books. So Trudeau does just that. He writes a book called Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About. It's self-published in 2004 and retails for $29.95. In it, he claims that sunscreen causes skin cancer and argues AIDS is a hoax. This is the book that the government and the drug companies don't want people to read. Natural Cures preys upon people who are suffering and desperate for a remedy, says former business associate Peter Wink. A lot of people don't have insurance. And here comes a guy touting that, you know, you can cure all these things and it costs you almost nothing. Sounds like a good deal to me. Wink's not a believer, and he doesn't think Trudeau is either. I used to say, you drink a lot, you smoke all the time. You do that. And you're claiming natural health. I said, how does that work? But apparently, the crowd approves. Trudeau's anti-government bad boy persona is a potent marketing tool. The Federal Trade Commission said if I want to sell this book on television, that there's certain things I cannot put in this book, and if I did, they would in effect take these books and burn the books. Natural Cures sells millions of copies and spends more than 26 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Trudeau begins churning out a stream of bestsellers over the next four years all published and sold from this nondescript suburban Chicago office complex. If you need to lose 5, 10, 20 pounds, if you need to lose 50 or even 100 pounds. But it's the infomercials for his 2007 book, The Weight Loss Cure They Don't Want You to Know About, that will bring his troubles with the government to a boil. I can attest it was the easiest, simplest, most effective thing I've ever done. I lost 45 pounds in six weeks. I was never hungry. I did no exercise at all. But Trudeau doesn't talk about the actual diet, which requires enemas, hormone injections, and only consuming 500 calories a day. I can eat whatever I want now, anything and as much as I want, anytime I want. No restrictions now. And the weight's not coming back. The book and related tie-ins are a nationwide hit, selling 850,000 copies and taking in $39 million. But James Com says the three weight loss infomercials that air 32,000 times are riddled with lies, directly violating Trudeau's 2004 FTC consent agreement. The First Amendment doesn't protect deceptive commercial speech, and that's exactly what this is. He was lying to the public about what was in his book. The FTC demands Trudeau pay a $37.6 million fine based on royalties from the book sales. 
But Trudeau, whose wealth has been estimated to be as much as $121 million, counters with a stunning confession. I own virtually nothing, so I have no assets. I can't pay $37.6 million. I don't have it sitting there. Trudeau says his corporate entities aren't really his. They are actually controlled by a 22-year-old Ukrainian national named Natalia Babenko, whom Trudeau has just married months earlier. When she came here, she moved to New York to become a film student, but she was running all of Kevin Trudeau's companies and managing all of the millions of dollars that were coming in on a regular basis. How Trudeau and Babinko meet is a closely guarded secret. And when investigators ask, she refuses to talk. They share a million-dollar home in Ojai, California. It's filled with art, grand pianos, pool tables, chandeliers, and a collection of Swarovski crystals. Peter Wing says most of Trudeau's followers are not turned off by this opulence. Quite the contrary. They want to be like Kevin. He always sold the dream of being him. You can have this watch or you can have this ring. You can live this lifestyle. Trudeau and Babinko jet-set from Paris to the Caribbean, living the good life and posting photos taken by friends and followers on his website. If you want to win a game... Behind the scenes, Trudeau is just as eager to show off how good his life is. Like the time he hauls out a bag of gold bars estimated to be worth more than $100,000. He pulls out a sack of gold bars, and he's showing me the different denominations of gold bars. I mean, he's literally got this in his house. Not bad for a man who claims he's broke. But like any snake oil salesman who sold one too many lies, Trudeau can't hide the truth forever. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. I can attest it was the easiest... Kevin Trudeau owes the government $37.6 million for spreading his late-night lies. But he isn't going down without a very public fight. You can waterboard me. Why don't you do that? You guys are good at torture. Pull my fingernails out. He's also working overtime to hide his millions so the government can't collect. He paid a significant amount of money to have his companies incorporated in other countries and to make sure that everything was protected and was just moving money around. But as fast as he's stashing the cash, Trudeau is planning yet another payday. And if you're not a member of the Global Information Network, what are you waiting for? Abe Hussein is a manager at a fast food restaurant when he first hears about Trudeau's newest venture. The Global Information Network, or GIN. Kevin made it seem like GIN was going to change the world and make it a better place. And that's what I thought was going to happen. Trudeau claims GIN has been formed by a cabal of billionaires. Membership in our club is by invitation only. They made it seem like they were exposing the secrets of the world to the masses. So I thought I was going to learn the secrets of how the world works. But Peter Wink has worked with Trudeau long enough to realize this was his typical huckstering. Kevin claimed he was part of the secret group. 
you know, I was with Kevin for two and a half years and I never met any of them. I will see you at The true secret of gin is that it's the golden goose of get rich schemes. A multi-level marketing operation, a pyramid scheme designed to entice new members to join so that existing members make a fortune. It was advertised as a 12 membership level, and each level you had to upgrade to and spend more and more money to where it was advertised if you'd reach level 12, that you basically become an instant millionaire and you get a Ferrari as a bonus. Hussein never gets the Ferrari, despite spending $30,000 on gen products, travel, seminars, and whatever else Trudeau can convince him to buy. Hussein does recruit 20 people to join. For his efforts, he's given a check for $202. Hussein's just one of more than 35,000 who fall for gin, making Trudeau another $100 million in four years until the operation is ultimately sold to outside investors. But before that happens, Jin's president is a familiar face. She's Trudeau's 24-year-old wife, Natalia. She never came to anything that we did. I mean, all the high-level meetings, you know, where Kevin gave his orders, what he wants to do, she had nothing to do with it. Jin pays the rent on Trudeau's 13-room mansion in Oak Brook, Illinois. It sits on one and a half acres and boasts a wine cellar, 11-car garage, five and a half baths, and nine fireplaces. The cost? $12,000 a month. Meanwhile, Trudeau's still trying to convince the world he's completely broke. I'm virtually penniless right now. I have no access to any bank accounts or any cash. He's claiming that he's got no income coming in, yet he's spending thousands of dollars on things like organic meats and haircuts and, and cigars and trips. In December 2011, surveillance cameras at a suburban Chicago casino capture what appears to be Trudeau and Babinko attempting to launder $200,000 worth of company checks. We found that he was cashing in chips at a casino and that there was money flowing between bank accounts that he was involved in but not telling anybody. In 2013, the courts freeze his assets. But that doesn't stop him from demanding receivers Brick Kane and Kenton Johnson give him a monthly allowance of $59,000. We thought that was a bit over the top and made a recommendation of about $4,700 a month. In and out of court, he denies any knowledge of where his money is, pleading the fifth and incredible 383 times. He said, you know, I'm, I'm not about accumulating assets and I don't keep track of my money. All I do is have business expenses. But as the receivers dig deeper, Trudeau reluctantly admits he may not have told them the full truth. He didn't want us to get mad, but he just remembered that he had an active bank account in Zurich, Switzerland. He also remembered that he had an active account at a bank in Australia. Trudeau's wife, Natalia Babinko, isn't much help either. She's disappeared with $800,000, presumably back to the Ukraine. The gold bars that Trudeau once showed Peter Wink have disappeared as well. Now, with civil and criminal contempt trials looming in Chicago, Trudeau tries the most shameless sale of his life, convincing his supporters to foot his legal tab. I need you to make a donation to help these legal bills and help me pay this 37.6 million. But even then, he can't resist the upsell. If you make a donation of $39 or more, I'll send you all three of my books, Natural Cures, More Natural Cures, 
and a weight loss cure, plus 14 different reports. It does him no good. On November 12, 2013, he's found guilty of criminal contempt of court. When Trudeau appears for his sentencing, his carefully styled hair is shaggy and gray, and the $1,000 suits are swapped with prison orange. When he speaks to the judge, all traces of his trademark defiance are gone. It was a very practiced speech that, for somebody who's so outgoing and um, so charismatic, it was not his best speech. Trudeau may be quiet for once, but his mentor, Ed Foreman, has had enough. He interrupts the courtroom with an unscripted and very vocal defense of his friend. I stood up to say a few words when wham, bam, came three deputies right down on me, grabbed me, and down to the floor I went. Kevin Trudeau is sentenced to 10 years in prison for contempt of court and refusing to pay his $37.6 million fine. Today, Trudeau's repackaged infomercials still air, and his products are available online. Portions of those sales are paid towards his FTC fine. And Trudeau's pre-prison YouTube videos still hint he's optimistic about the future. <laughs> Maybe I'll be in prison for the next 10 or 15 years. Don't worry, I'll do a lot of great writing. And the material that I'll produce during that time, just like Nelson Mandela, will change the world. Trudeau's still selling. But how long will people continue to buy his bill of goods? He's deceitful to the core, and he belongs in jail. For what he did, he was as bad as anybody. Philadelphia, 1993. 46-year-old investment banker Andrew Bogdanov has decided to go into business for himself. His goal is to make millions off the dreams of small businessmen and hopeful entrepreneurs across the country, says former prosecutor David Axelrod. These were not big real estate developers. These were not wealthy people. These were people who were just trying to take advantage of the American dream and really build something for themselves. Bogdanov forms Remington Financial Group in his suburban home office with a bold plan. When traditional banks refuse a loan, Remington will be there riding to the rescue with a roster of hundreds of private financiers. You'd tell them what your project was, and they'd ask you how much you needed. They'd say, congratulations, we have someone interested in funding your whole project, whether you need a million dollars, three million dollars, nine hundred and ninety-nine million dollars. It didn't matter. But to get these investors on board, Bogdanov demands upfront a non-refundable due diligence fee of between ten and twenty-five thousand dollars. For borrowers without options, it seems a small price to pay, especially when Bogdanov says he's closing hundreds of deals each year. The Remington machine was a cash minting machine. Hundreds of thousands of dollars were coming in you know, every month. Bogdanov isn't shy when it comes to self-promotion. He even hosts an internet radio show to lure more people toward Remington. And we have investors and lenders all across the capital stack that can really meet the needs of of anybody looking for any type of commercial financing out there. Remington is quickly fulfilling Bogdanov's dreams and filling his pockets. In the late 90s, he relocates to Scottsdale, Arizona to enjoy the sun and his spoils. But before he leaves, he hires Matthew McManus to run things in Philadelphia. To lure clients, Bogdanov and McManus rely on commissioned associates and third-party brokers nicknamed Bird Dogs. Those brokers would take the victims to Remington, telling the victims that this is a great funding opportunity, 
uh, but they wouldn't tell the victims that they were also getting a cut. Excited clients are funneled through Bogdanov's Arizona office and then sent on to the Philadelphia headquarters, now relocated to the prestigious Bell Atlantic Tower in downtown Philadelphia. It's called the Arizona Pipeline, but the truth is it's flushing hundreds of people down the drain each year. Eventually they tell you your project has problems X, Y, and Z, and it just it can't be financed. We're sorry, we tried really hard, but uh, good night and good luck. Marin County, California. In 2006, Ingrid Robinson is a one-time grief counselor with a broken heart of her own. Eight years earlier, her only child, Michelle, died of a heroin overdose. I was completely destroyed. I didn't know who I was. You know, I'd always lived for my daughter, and I was just emotionally and mentally gone. Robinson, who has no real estate experience, decides she wants to build a residential and retail complex to honor her daughter. She uses $500,000 to buy an acre of land in the wine country of Northern California. So I called it Michelle's Diamond as a legacy for Michelle. And I wanted people to know if they had asked who was Michelle, she was the daughter of a mother who loved her very much. Robinson wants a $100,000 loan to get her plans off the ground. But because of her inexperience, she figures no bank will finance her dreams. She turns to a third-party bird dog, and they point her toward Remington Financial Group. They said, we've got the perfect company for you, Remington Financial Group. And they went one step further and sent the prospectus to Remington. Robinson researches Remington, finding a well-respected company with offices across the United States. There's an ad in Forbes magazine designed to look like a glowing testimonial. And Remington is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. When Robinson speaks with Remington representatives in Arizona, she's thrilled by what they're prepared to offer. The account executive said, we love your project so much, we want to finance the whole thing. Robinson agrees to pay Remington's $10,000 due diligence advance fee to move the deal forward. It's non-refundable, but the cost will be rolled back into the loan once she is approved. $10,000, and quite frankly, I thought I got lucky because their normal fee was $25,000. Now she waits for her dreams to come true, not knowing she's already caught in a nightmare. Because Robinson's fallen for one of the oldest cons in the book, a so-called advance fee scheme. You're offering somebody a loan, all they have to do is give you an upfront fee. It's been around forever. Unfortunately, the scheme is simple and it's, it's pretty easy to execute. While Andrew Bogdanov, Matthew McManus, and their bird dogs are making millions off of due diligence fees, their clients are about to learn a bitter truth about the loan deals. Remington said it had access to all this capital and it had people interested in these projects and it, and it had really had nothing. Andrew McDonough and Matthew McManus have built Remington Financial Group into a billion-dollar loan company. At least that's what their advertising says. Gold mines in South Africa, uh, oil wells in Ukraine. You need $200 million? Not a problem. We have somebody interested. You need $1.2 billion? We got it for you. It didn't matter. But less than 1% of those deals are really happening. And behind closed doors, Bogdanov carefully schools his account executives to never let the truth get in the way of closing a deal. 
In a conversation that is recorded by an employee and later transcribed, Bogdanov has no problem rationalizing how he betrays his clients. He even says Remington is actually saving their asses by taking due diligence fees for projects that are, in his opinion, inherently flawed. Rather than losing all their money, they lost $10,000 or $15,000, which is pretty good service. It's a perfect scam. Clients are scattered. They're not losing large sums of money. And Bogdanov can always claim the deals fell apart for reasons beyond his control. When they didn't deliver the financing, they would come back and say, look, we told you from the outside, this wasn't a guarantee. And usually that was enough to convince people not to pursue it further. Well, camera. In 2005, Gene Teglin is a Minneapolis filmmaker with a wife and three kids. He's just successfully directed his first independent feature, a murder mystery titled Carousel of Revenge. That experience has taught him firsthand how difficult film financing can be. You don't walk in a bank, it's high risk, and you know that's, that's part of the filmmaking, but it's also exciting. He and a partner raise a million dollars for their first movie. Now they're dreaming much bigger, planning to make five more. We had a very detailed business plan, forecast, marketing. We had people tied to it who are very experienced in the film industry, produced big films, worked on big films. Teglin estimates they'll need $20 million. Everything falls into place in the winter of 2006 when a bird dog third-party broker introduces Teglin to the Remington Financial Group. They're excited. They're talking about, hey, this is a great plan. We, we love what you're doing. Everyone's happy, and they're excited to get the deal done. Remington says they have a New York investor who's eager to finance their dreams. All Teglin needs to do is send $27,000 for due diligence reports and an on-site inspection. You know, in 20 days, you'll be funded. Well, the 20 days come up, don't hear a whole lot, don't get funded. I say, well, where's the funding? Well, um... The market conditions have changed. Oh, really? Teglin faces months of silence and stonewalling before realizing his deal is dead. He has no idea what to do next. And as Remington is counting on, Teglin doesn't think law enforcement is going to care about his loss anyway. Honestly, in my mind, I knew it wouldn't do any good. It's only $27,000. I'm one person. Are they really gonna pay attention? 2,000 miles away in San Francisco, Ingrid Robinson is realizing that her dream real estate project is also falling apart. Remington's promised her $5 million, but now all she's getting is the runaround. They wanted um, tax records. They wanted all kinds of financial records. They wanted uh, corporation papers. It's a standard Remington ploy. Dangle the line as long as possible. But in December 2006, Robinson turns on her computer to find the deal has died once and for all. Out of the clear blue sky, I received an email saying, we regret to inform you that your project is, has not passed our um, approval rating or whatever. No reasons given, just we regret to inform you. That's how bad they thought. Robinson calls Bogdanov to demand her money back. At first, he appears eager to help. He was being very lovely, very accommodating, and eventually he referred me to the Philadelphia office, and he said that that's where they were working on the project. But when she speaks with the Philadelphia headquarters, she gets a completely different response. 
He said, you know, you sound like you're a hysterical woman. And I said, if you think I'm hysterical now, just wait. I will become your worst nightmare. And I did. Robinson begins researching all she can about Remington's Andrew Bogdanov and Matthew McManus. The more she discovers, the more infuriated she gets. CEO Bogdanov's been paying himself more than $1 million a year. He honeymoons in Spain and travels around the world to Hungary, Hawaii, and Las Vegas. At home, he cheers on the Phoenix Coyotes with season tickets. He spent tens of thousands of dollars on jewelry. He bought houses. They went on very lavish vacations. While everybody was suffering, he absolutely could have cared less. He was enjoying the high life. Meanwhile, Matthew McManus is living it up in Philadelphia, collecting $1.6 million himself. Matthew seems to have had a very wonderful lifestyle. He drove a $135,000 Porsche. He owned apartments in Pied-a-Terres for his wife. They had a beautiful um, mansion in Nantucket, and he had a private jet. Robinson also learns that McManus has started a new company he calls Bluestone Real Estate Capital, offering similar loan deals as Remington. He'll later claim he leaves Remington in 2008. If so, he doesn't go far. Remington and Bluestone share the same office space in Philadelphia's Bell Atlantic Tower. Their addresses were in the same location. I mean, there was nothing to distinguish that there was a separation between the two, other than Matthew saying that he had nothing to do with Andy. Andy never said that he had nothing to do with Matthew. Prosecutors say it's a bait and switch to throw anyone off the scent of what they're really up to. In early 2007, Ingrid Robinson begins a crusade to bring Remington Financial Group's Andrew Bogdanov and Matthew McManus to justice. But she admits trying to topple a billion-dollar company is no simple project. I couldn't imagine how brilliant they were. You know, Andy Bogdanov, he would zig, I would zag. I would zag, he would zig. I mean, he was amazing. He was always, always at least one or two steps ahead of me. No one is interested in listening to Robinson's pleas for justice until she meets former FBI agent Daniel Christie, now with the Pennsylvania Securities Commission. Dan and I became friendly on the telephone, and I found out that he had been an FBI agent. And I said, Dan, how can I get this case to their attention? I've been calling the FBI every day, and nobody seems to care. I told her they will not open an investigation based upon her $10,000 amount alone, that we needed more victims with more dollar amounts. Robinson scours internet fraud sites searching for other victims. She soon discovers there are plenty out there. Next thing I know, I've got a packet of about 10 or 12 Remington victims. So I called every single one of them, and every single one of them were telling me these horrible stories. Scattered across the country, they're dreamers, entrepreneurs, even a former mayor of San Diego. One of the names she finds is a very unhappy Minneapolis filmmaker named Gene Teglin, who's also eager to expose Remington. From that point on, we just started talking pretty much every day. And then that's when my research mode went in pretty deep. Remington's website is plastered with testimonials from satisfied customers. But when Teglin calls them, they say they've never heard of Remington. 
what are you talking about? We never raised that kind of money. I mean, they would actually take locations that were real and put them on there and just act like they raised money for them when they had nothing to do with it. Teglin's research leads to the creation of a 92-page document titled Stop Remington Financial Group, which roadmaps the fraud. They send it to media outlets and investigators, but still no one listens. We had been on this for months, and we were going nowhere. We were going absolutely nowhere. Frustrated, Robinson and Teglin concoct a guerrilla grassroots internet campaign to raise awareness. They post a message on a blog site saying that Remington has admitted wrongdoing after all. We said that Remington was turning over a new leaf and that they were giving all of their victims refunds. All you had to do was call, and we listed everybody's home number and their office number and just say that you were thrilled that they were going to refund their money. Remington lawyers quickly shut the message board down and threatened further legal action, but not before more people come forward with their own complaint. Dan Christie takes Robinson's growing victim list and gives it to the people who will finally do something. And I contacted both the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Philadelphia and brought it to them. And by gosh, did they ever run with it. Assistant U.S. Attorney David Axelrod has assigned the case. He is stunned to discover that Robinson's numbers are only scratching the surface. Remington has stolen at least $26 million, one non-refundable upfront fee at a time. It blows my mind in the fact that they were so successful. I mean, when you're talking about 1,900 victims, that's a ton of people, and $26 million is just astronomical. And those billion-dollar success stories Remington has been bragging about? Since 2005, that number's been exaggerated somewhat. You know what they say about a blind squirrel finding a nut? Three people found financing uh, through Remington. Three people out of 1,900. That's 0.15%. And that's only the last five years Remington has operated. Based on all the records we saw, it was probably going on long before that. It wouldn't surprise me if they had a 20-year run uh, doing this type of work. In March 2011, FBI and IRS agents raid Remington's offices in Denver and Scottsdale. I open up my computer, I see this, and all I'm doing is screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They got him, they got him, they got him. I was unbelievably thrilled. It's the first step in a process that eventually leads to the indictment of Andrew Bogdanov, Matthew McManus, and four others in April 2012. Andrew McDonough pleads guilty to fraud in 2013. At his sentencing, Ingrid Robinson finally meets McDonough face to face. Audio recordings capture her bearing the pain Remington Financial Group has caused her. They made me feel like a complete failure, that I was stupid and could do nothing to honor my daughter. I wanted to create something lasting and beautiful to honor her, and these guys made it all ugly and dirty by lying and stealing my dreams of me. For his part, Bogdanov at least goes to the effort of apologizing. I was greedy, and uh, greed and arrogance took over me. And for that, I'm terribly sorry and want to express my deepest regrets to my victims, the court and the government. He's sentenced to 18 years in prison. Matthew McManus does take his case to trial 
But after the three hours of liberation, he's found guilty of fraud, money laundering, and obstruction of justice. He too begs for sympathy. My choices have led me to a place in life that no man would want to be in. Please, for my family, have leniency on me. Thank you. The judge is unmoved and sentences him to 16 years in prison. None of Andrew Bogdanov's victims have recovered any of the money they gave Remington Financial Group. After seven years of hard work, Robinson, Tegland, and Christie exposed one of the largest known advance fee schemes in U.S. history. But former prosecutor David Axelrod concedes there are probably many more companies out there still using the Remington business model. All you have to do is go to Google and look for loans for small businesses, and you'll see a bunch of companies come up that don't quite look right, and they all look a lot like Remington. Today, Ingrid Robinson channels her efforts to expose other advance fee schemes, and the third-party brokers, she says, send unwitting sheep to the slaughter. For now, she's been forced to put away her dreams for Michelle's diamond. The property's been foreclosed, costing her nearly $350,000. I was left financially devastated. This was my life savings. This was everything. Everything was on the line to create this legacy for Michelle. Now, she hopes her efforts to expose financial fraud will be a lasting tribute to her daughter. There's nothing I could have done to save my daughter. If I could, I would have. But I sure as hell could right a wrong. The bottom line is there is evil in this world, and it's cost us. It's cost all of us so much. Trudeau is scheduled to be released sometime this year in 2022. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.